What is up? And welcome, everybody, to the High on the Hogs podcast preview edition. And back with us this week from a long hiatus is our buddy Tyler. Tyler, I've missed you. Where have you been, man? <laughs> hey, Steve. What's up? Yeah, took a little bit of a break along with our Razorbacks. I know I, I missed that LSU podcast, and then the Missouri game got postponed. So I've been hanging out, uh, been watching the games, but, but obviously it feels good to be back talking hogs with you. Yeah, for sure. We've missed a little bit anyway. I mean, I guess it's, you know, the LSU game and yeah, whatever. So um, we, we won't go we won't go backwards and, and talk about much of that. But on a, on a good note, on a great on a great note, really, basketball season's in full force. Uh, three games into this thing, and and you're gonna we're gonna get a little basketball talk tonight. Um, so you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about last night's game. And, uh, and I didn't, I didn't really say we'd preview this weekend's game. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay away from that. Cause I'm sure not prepped, um, to talk <laughs> any basketball for the weekend, but we can definitely talk football for the weekend. Um, but man, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind couple of weeks. I'm going to get a couple of announcements out of the way real quick. I know I announced it on the pod with Andy this week and we've announced it on Facebook, but obviously, uh, our partnership with mall mail sports network, um, we really appreciate their, well, I guess we created mall mail sports network, but our partnership with mall mail high school school to broadcast their to live stream their uh, all their home basketball games and a few select road games so excited about that and then also want to say thanks to american pie pizza uh, they have signed up with us for the entire year to help support these streams and they're going to be the, the uh, sponsors of our uh, of our starting lineups that, when we present the starting lineups before every game so really excited about those things going on had a good time in football season and that's wrapping up and so uh, just looking forward to basketball, something that, um, you know, if you want to come on down from the Northwest Arkansas and call a few games in Maumel, I will not uh, hesitate to allow it because, yeah, it's going to be really interesting from my, my, my perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal, creating your own ne- another network outside of natural state sports in addition to that and getting to call those basketball games. should be a fun season. And like you said, it's kind of crazy having – so many sports um, at once. I know this year has been different with a lot of things, but having Razorback football bleed into Razorback basketball um, and to have a really exciting team this year, it's, it's a fun time for us as podcasters. Yeah, without a doubt. Plenty to talk about. It's a little different than what it was earlier this year when we were we were scratching in the dirt to try to find anything to talk about. Right. So, um, been a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited. Obviously, basketball season's what we were we've all been waiting to see. Uh, and so we'll start there tonight. Um, talk a little basketball. Obviously, Andy. Everybody got to hear Andy and I's thoughts this week on on last week's games and how we felt things went. You know, I thought some people might have been a little uh, might be reading a little bit too much. In to certain things but what's your thoughts on where this basketball team's at through three games yeah well like you mentioned i mean three and oh you look around the nation there's already been a lot of upsets i think even through two games arkansas was the only sec team to be two and oh through those first two games so like you said i mean you'll take a win where you can get it just some first impressions that i jotted down on this team obviously this roster is really deep with guys that can go get you a bucket uh, last year you really relied on specifically Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe and really Mason a lot in games to go get a basket. But you have multiple guys who can score this year. Currently five guys are averaging double figures. Um, and I think there's even a couple more that are fully capable of doing that, specifically someone like Vance Jackson, if he can get a shot to fall. Um, you're led by freshman Moses Moody. Um, he's putting up 17 a game, and he's really only scratched the surface of what he's capable of. Um, Justin Smith. And then Vanover, I'll get into in a second, has been a, a huge surprise and, and really efficient so far. Um, I think right now Arkansas is like sixth in the nation in points per game at 94, second in scoring margin with thir- uh, their plus 35.7, and they're in the top 20 in field goals made and attempted now. Uh, for being honest, those are somewhat skewed because you did score 142 points against probably the worst basketball team I've ever seen in my life. Um, so you'll need a little bit more of a sample size after that. Um, but in addition to that, I mean, they, the Razorbacks have skilled size this season. Like I mentioned with Vanover, he's been a really pleasant surprise, and he's a, he's a huge weapon. I mean, he's 7'3". He can stretch the floor from just about anywhere. He's scoring about 14 points, putting up almost nine rebounds, and he's only playing around 22 minutes a game, shooting 76% from the field, 67% from three. Um, uh, Musselman said today in his presser, I mean, offensively, Vanover could not have played any better than he has so far through three games. Um, and I'll look for his role to continue to develop. Um, like I mentioned with Justin Smith, putting up 14-6. and six. 
he's a really smooth athlete with, with, with hops. I mean, he gets to the rim quickly. Um, and Jalen Williams, I mean, he doesn't, his stats don't really jump out at you, only 4.5 points. But he's, he's grabbing 6.5 rebounds in only 16 minutes. He does a lot of little things. I love his instinct. He's a really smart player who draws charges, grabs rebounds, and makes smart passes. Um, and I think that the overarching thing, like you said, is it, it's early, and there's a lot of new faces on this team. I mean, 10 newcomers, and you're really only returning Desi Seals um, from last year because we haven't seen much of Ethan Henderson at all. He seems to be in the doghouse. So as guys like Smith and Vanover and Note and Tate and Jackson really try to get it together, I mean, you have to just be happy with the fact that they're winning the games right now. I mean, obviously in the second half of last game, we'll get into it. Um, it was a little bit of a struggle, but I think Musselman was trying to work some things and force those guys to, to figure it out together. Um, I think Vance Jackson has probably been the biggest disappointment so far just because he hasn't been able to score, didn't score a single point last game. But overall, you have to be thrilled with what you've seen, and I think this team can be really dangerous as the season goes along. Yeah, a guy that I've I, – and obviously I think everybody was looking forward to in a, in a guy like Moses Moody, you know, 17 points, five rebounds a game. He's, he's leading the team in points per game. And he's doing it – it seems like he's doing it extremely quietly right now. Like, against Mississippi Valley State, it was kind of like he just kind of found his way. He didn't look over mm-hmm. – you know, I think he shot like 20-something percent from the floor. And he just did not have – but, he, you know, he shot well from the free throw line. He's been able to get to the free throw line. Uh, he's shooting 89% from the free throw line. His three-point shot's about 31%. So, I mean, he's, he's slowly starting to find a stroke. But it's interesting that he's doing this so quietly right now. I think I saw you – know, maybe John Rothstein on – on uh, Twitter, made a made a post earlier today or yesterday that was you know, talking was showed his numbers and said he's you know quietly having one of the better seasons of any of the true freshmen in America right now, and nobody's talking about it. And so, uh, you know, Moses has been a lot of fun to watch. The other thing that I've been impressed with out of this team so far is through three games, you don't have the same. Everybody's contributing, so you don't have. Mm-hmm. You, you've got three different guys who have been the leading scorer. You're not leaning on one guy or the other. Obviously, Vanover has been much more impressive than I thought Vanover was going to be i mean for sure yeah you just don't see a 7-3 guy move like he does every day and, and have such a smooth <laughs> stroke and and just the things he does and he seems to prove me wrong every time i watch him play it's like okay well he can't run with these guys okay well he's out there mm-hmm. playing 20 i mean he's, he's playing 22 minutes a game yeah he's not gonna he's not gonna put he's not gonna you know play 40 minutes a game but in this in on this team nobody is and, and so you know that's been impressive to me watching Vanover. Obviously, a lot of pieces to work from. You mentioned Ethan Henderson. I don't know if it's a doghouse or if he's just the the low man on the totem pole talent wise. Um, he, he's never. Seen I think it. it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, he's just never seemed to be able to put it all together. So, and and again, when you have guys like Jalen Williams, Vance Jackson, and even I mean Justin Smith, Connor Vanover, guys that are, I guess, technically ahead of him. I mean, I I, I love Ethan Henderson as a person, and I think he's you know done some good things at times, but it's going to be hard for him to crack any rotation with those guys in front of him anyway. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see, I don't see a role for him really on this team. And there's only so many minutes to go around. Um, and like you said, I mean, Musselman's kind of known for having a shorter rotation. I think the talent of this team will force him to open that up a little bit, but I don't think it's to the point where Henderson will really see the floor and Vanover. I mean, he's just a unicorn. I mean, he's like Dirk, or, or poor Zingas Jr. I mean, he's seven three, and, and he's just he pulled up from from like thirty feet last night or the, the night before, whenever that game was. Um, and he's just like he's gonna have his deficiencies. Um, obviously, I think he has potential to struggle against stronger elite big men. And, and defending the pick and roll, we saw last game they picked on him a little bit. Um, but he's just so dynamic offensively. I don't know how you guard him. I mean, you're not gonna be able to contest a shot on a guy that tall. Um, and he can get around the basket and, and dunk it or shoot it over anybody. So that's a, a big weapon that Arkansas didn't have any sort of last year on their team. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the size differential is just phenomenal. I'm going to go back real quick, and I wanted to hit on something you talked about as well, and, and this seemed to be the story out of last night's game was everybody's frustration with the end-of-game you know scenario. And, and here's how I see that. Yeah, it frustrates me. I'm the kind of guy that just keep, just keep attacking, you know, um, and, and, and try to put a team away. And then maybe when there's two or three minutes left and you're up, you know, 20, you can start playing stall. But at the same time, 
I liked what Musk did. You hit, you made, you made a great point. You know, Musk was, it was teaching moments for, for Musk. Mm-hmm. And, and sure, they weren't up by a mass number. They, you know, it wasn't like the Mississippi Valley State game. But I think Musk saw in the North Texas, especially the first half of the North Texas game, I think we all saw it. But I think, you know, Musk definitely saw the lack of ability to execute in, in half court. And, and you saw mm-hmm. against Mississippi Valley State, I mean, Arkansas, they were, they were relying on the three, and the three was falling. And so, and, and again, a bad team that you could really expose – you played a good North Texas team, and, and they they exposed you in the half court. And so I, I really liked what he did against uh, UTA last night in that game in in slowing things down. You know, sure it made a few betters mad, but Arkansas still wins by double digits, <laughs> has no issues, and and they'll learn from this later in the season. I'd rather see this team struggling in half court in game three than struggling in half court in you know at the end of conference play, and, and you're trying to get a big win against a good conference opponent. Yeah, that was a pretty bad beat, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right at the end, it gave up a three to, to not cover. But, I mean, like you said, I think initially, I think most of the people, the bad taste in their mouth kind of stems from last year running some stall ball against teams like Auburn and it coming back to bite you and, and you lose that game. Um, and it, it, they did, they only outscored um, UTA by one point in the second half. So it was frustrating to watch. Um, but like you said, if you sit back, and then I know Musk talked about it in his presser today, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a very smart, elite basketball coach. And and he saw an opportunity in a game that Arkansas was controlling early in the year um, to, to play a lot of those second-teamer guys and to run some half-court sets that, that may not be working right now. And, and maybe they don't work later in the year, but there might be a, a situation where you need that. And you'd much rather do that now. I mean, you just feel fortunate that you're in a situation in a game where you have the opportunity to do that, to kind of mess around and, and, and play with different different lineups and different plays. Because, I mean, even you saw Kentucky. I mean, I know Richmond's not a bad team, but they got upset by a team in Richmond. There's been so many upsets. So just the fact that Arkansas was able to control the game, do pretty much what they wanted and, and work what they wanted and still get the victory by double digits is impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, it, as long as you're winning, and it, number one, as long as you're winning, uh, yeah. and, and I mean, that's the, you're 3-0. and That's all that really matters at the end of the day. And, and I mean, but yes, I mean, you're 3-0, and you've also done it by double digits, which has been very impressive. You've got a Lipscomb team coming to town this week that Arkansas really shouldn't have any issues with, so uh, I just took a quick peek at their schedule. Obviously, a 1-2 and two team, uh, losses to Tulane, in Cincinnati and a win against Lamar. All close games, uh, but I, I obviously don't see Arkansas having any issues there. So I, th- I think as we continue to move forward with this season, Arkansas fans will continue to be more and more impressed, and, and we'll see the things that I think we really want to see out of this team. So I'm looking forward to, to Saturday's game for sure. Um, I'll, I'll be uh, somewhere on the road, I guess, and, and, lis- and listening to it maybe. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. But let's get to the story of the weekend, and uh, that is – is the um, I guess I'm I guess I'll call it a rivalry against Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like to joke around and call it the borderline rivalry. Cause it's called the battle line rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> I accidentally called it that one time because I do kind of. And we'll we'll get into this more later. It does kind of feel like a borderline rivalry, sort of force. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a big game. I mean, it's the, it's the spread right now is in Missouri's favor. There are a lot of connections between Arkansas and Missouri. Both teams have a lot to play for still um, because a win makes your record look quite a bit better than a loss would. Um, so it's another opportunity for Arkansas to get a victory and probably the last opportunity, opportunity they'll have this season. Yeah, so first thing I'm going to say, though, is Missouri, you do not deserve to be ranked. Your fans can shut up and calm down and stop. <laughs> I, I'm sure we have, no, we have no Missouri fans. Actually, we might have one. I, I have a buddy that is a Missouri fan that it, maybe he listens to us. If, Jim, if you're listening to us, Missouri has no business being ranked, and I think you would agree. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, and so, I, you know, I, when I look at this, well, let's jump into the history first. I don't want to jump ahead yet. So let's jump into the history of the game first, and then I'll get into my thoughts on this being a rivalry or not. But, you know, okay. I think part of, and maybe this will lead into the rivalry, part of the reason why, why Arkansas fans in particular don't want to call this a rivalry is one, obviously it was forced on us, but, but two, we haven't had any success. We've lost four straight games overall yeah. ever in the series. We only played 11 times, but Arkansas is you know losing that series eight and three. So, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I can see why people wouldn't call it a rivalry, 
But at the same time, from the Arkansas side, but when you look at it from Arkansas standpoint, you know, Arkansas, at least in the overall scheme of things, I think obviously has a better football program all time. And so, you know, maybe it's just Arkansas fans looking at Missouri and going, you know, you're the Big 12 castaway. Like, you, you shouldn't even really be here. And so, uh, but as we look at this series, Missouri's owned us for the last four years. And, and, and a large part of that is the guy that's on the defensive side of the ball for Arkansas now. So this is going to be a lot of fun on Saturday. Yeah, when I look at it, it's, it's hard for me to believe that, that Missouri leads the series 8-3, to three, but they really have had Arkansas's number. And for a series that's only been 11 games long, I mean, there's been some pretty notable games with some pretty big implications. I mean, you go back to like 2003, Arkansas won that one in the Independence Bowl with Matt Jones. Um, but then we had that horrible performance where Arkansas had an interim coach after Houston Nutt left and McFadden and Felix Jones had already moved on in their minds to the next level. They got destroyed by Tony Temple and lost yeah. by 31. Can we not talk in the about Cotton Bowl? Can we yeah, not talk I'll about that one? I was, I'll I'll I was unfortunately I at that game. And <laughs> oh, that's brutal. We went to Dallas. I had a quick story. We went to Dallas uh, for New Year's for a bu- with a buddy of mine. And he lived in Dallas. And I didn't realize how big of a he, – he's uh, – I didn't realize big how big of a partying family he had. Like they are, you know, um, they they're from they're they're Indian descent, Middle Eastern descent, and, and super folks. Like, I, and they we had I, I've known him for years and years. We used to work together, and he's like, "Yeah, man, come on down. My parents were throwing this party." I'm like, "Oh, great, old people party." Like, I mean, we were how what was that? Oh eight, right? Oh seven, six, whenever that was. And so, I mean, that was a long time ago. So I go down. I'm mm-hmm. like, "Okay, yeah, this will be fun." I didn't realize these people drank us under a table, man. It was some kind of New Year's. I remember at one point, like, at, like, 5 in the morning, his girlfriend comes in was like, hey, I need somebody to help me. He's asleep. He's, like, passed out in the in the driver's seat of the car. Like, we had no idea. Like, he didn't go anywhere. Apparently, he just went out to his car and sat there and then passed out. <laughs> and so, we got no sleep. And then, of course, I think it was, like, thir- I, I swear it was 38 degrees. It was stupid. The, the t- it was cold. Yeah. But we got sunburnt because we were directly in the sun. It was awful, awful. And then Arkansas got their brains beat in. So, yeah, I hate that game. Yeah, let's block that one out. <laughs> but then on a, on a more positive note, in 2015, Arkansas did did kind of get Missouri back, went 28-3. to um, And that's the game that got Gary Pinkle fired that brought Barry Odom on at Missouri. Um, and then, obviously, with the, with the Bielema era at Arkansas, it wasn't very successful. Um, 2016, they blew that huge lead. Um, and lost by four on the road, and then they did it again in the, in the belt bowl, and then they lost by three the next year, and that was the game that got Bielema fired as he came off the field. And then Chad got killed the next year, 38 to nothing. Um, and then and then last season, Chad didn't even get to coach against Missouri because he was already fired. So it's been a, it's been a series that's kind of had implications for job security. Um, I don't I don't think that's the case this week, um, but I do think that it can be a, a good competitive close game, and and I'll let you get into it more, but. Some people call it a rivalry. Some people don't. What do you think? So, I don't think it's a rivalry. I think that it's a trophy game, but this isn't the Big Ten where every game is a trophy game. Like, this is <laughs> this is the SEC where we actually have games that mean something. And and, and kudos to David Basil and, and having this cute little trophy made up and, and trying to force something on us. But at the end of the day, here's my thought. Okay, first off, as an Arkansas fan, when Missouri first came in the conference, I was like, no, these guys have no business in this conference. I don't want another Tiger. They, they don't belong. They, they, it's stupid that they're in the east when they're a couple of miles north and, and west of us. Like, none of it made any sense. Historically, Arkansas is just a better program. 36th in all-time record compared to 65th mm-hmm. for, for Missouri. Arkansas has more national championships, one, more conference championships, more bowl games, more wins all-time, more consensus All-Americans, more NFL. NFL draft picks, more NFL first round draft picks, more weeks in the AP poll. Literally the only thing historically that Missouri is, is better than Arkansas in is bowl record. And, and that's minimal. Uh, neither teams had a Heisman winner. And then uh, Missouri spent one more week as the AP number one team. So at the end of the day, Arkansas, in terms of the way I see it and as the way most fans see it, Missouri is a is a inferior program to Arkansas. And I think when you look at their stadium, you look where they play, you look at their coach, you look at their play. I mean, everything about them just sucks in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> and so I don't see it as a rivalry, but it kills me because we lose to them every year. So I, maybe that makes it a rivalry. I don't know. They have stupid linebackers that open their mouths, it seems like, every year <laughs> and, and say stupid crap. And then somehow they come out in the game and they – beat the snot out of us anyway so 
I hope this is the year that Arkansas just lets them talk their crap, lets them have their words, and then we walk out on the field and we absolutely dismantle them. <laughs> yeah, you, you honestly hit on pretty much all the, the, the stuff that I put down. I mean, I'm going to kind of give a cop-out answer and say yes and no, <laughs> because personally, I'm with you. I mean, my first thought is to immediately say no, because ultimately, Missouri is fairly irrelevant to me. Um, they've had, I think, their good years in, in, in a bad SEC East were pretty fluky. Um, and like you said, I, overall, as a program, I don't think they touched the Razorbacks with our facilities and fan base and tradition. Um, their stadium is a dump. Their coach is a dweeb. Their fans are pretty much meth heads. So, uh, but like you said, I mean, it's hard for Razorbacks right now to really talk much crap because, our, I mean, Missouri's had their number. I mean, they've won four games in a row. They've won eight out of 11. And like you said, it seems like every single year there's a there's some different random linebacker calling out the hogs, and then they make them look like geniuses on the field. Um, so while it is forced, I think there were ob- there's obvious animosity between parts of the fan base at least. Um, and I think this year there are definite elements for a rivalry. I mean, there's hatred. There's I mean, you have geographical proximity with the state. And there's there's a similar current stature with the programs. I mean, overall in history, I don't think it compares, but in similar places um, with new first year coaches, and then you have the connections with Gary Odom, Sam Carter, and then even Drinkwitz is an Arkansas native. Uh, I don't know if we should claim him or not, no, but no. so there's 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 plenty to root for and against on each side. So if you think it's a rivalry, I guess I'll give it to you. I don't really think it's much of one, but honestly, probably the more that we say try to fight for the fact that it's not probably makes it even more so. Look, the only thing that I was excited about with this game all year long was the fact that it was supposed to be played in Arrowhead. So Exactly, of, me too. I don't give a crap I'm a major about league bum. Yeah, right? I know. We were looking forward to being in Arrowhead this year, so hopefully that will obviously happen in the next couple of years when this COVID crap is gone. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the, we have a fan base that does not respect Missouri, and and I don't no. really think we should. And then you have a fan base in Missouri that doesn't know what the word respect means or anything <laughs> like that. They think that they deserve something when they came into an SEC East that was absolutely terrible when they came into the league and just got really fortunate for a couple of years. So, and let's be real. Yes, Arkansas has lost four games in a row, but how bad has Arkansas been in particular over the last few? Yeah, for the most worst, part, worst era in school history. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not saying much. So to me, to me, from my perspective, it's kind of like saying, like right now, well, not this year, but the last couple of years, Arkansas State fans have wanted to beat their chest about being a better team or better program. In Arkansas, right? Yeah, sure, you might have been for a year or two, but and that's how I feel about Missouri. Like, sure, you maybe been, but you're still the little brother. Like, shut up. We don't want anyone to hear about you anymore. <laughs> Yeah, A-State fans got pretty quiet this season, and I I have a feeling Missouri fans will, too, eventually when Arkansas gets to rolling again. Well, let's hope that's this season. It starts this year, and we just we, we close that 8-3 and three gap and take the lead and, and just run yeah. away with this. That would, that would yeah. be fantastic. Please. Yes. So, speaking of running away with things, Rakeem Boyd opts <laughs> out. <laughs> um, I have it in my notes, and I'm just going to ask the question because I've heard this, so it's interesting. I've heard opinions on this from people that I highly respect. I've seen the Twitter opinions. I've seen what people have have said. I've semi-kept my mouth shut for the most part of my thoughts on it, but I won't tonight. But did he quit? <laughs> um, I, I don't want to be too emotional or irrational with my take on this. And, and so immediately I, I had a little bit different opinion. Not really. I think I'm going to stick with what I feel, but <laughs> I've tried to evaluate it and see it from all perspectives. So do I think he quit? Yes. And do I completely hold it against him and, and, and like hate him for it for any reason? No, I don't. I mean, I, I think he quit because it's pretty obvious that the decision that he made had very little, if any, to do with COVID and had just about everything to do with the fact that he's had a terrible season and isn't even the best running back on the team this year. Um, I, I love this decision. I respected it to, to come back and to give us even more of what he had, um, despite the fact that we've been a bad program for the last few years. And he had pretty decent draft prospects after last season. And I understand that he's been nicked up and injured, and, and this season hasn't definitely hasn't gone as he probably envisioned. Um, but it, it kind of feels to me like he played timid all year. And it feels like he's been saving saving himself um, for the NFL. It almost felt like he, he opted out in the beginning anyway. And if that was going to be the case, if he wasn't going to give 100%, I much rather would have had him declare last year than come back anyway. 
And with only two games left, I don't really see a real advantage of opting out at this point. I mean, what you're saving yourself a couple of weeks of uh, extra workouts, I guess, for the NFL. I don't know. I think it's a bad look all the way around. It definitely feels like quitting to me. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I do want to put some positives into it. I can't hate on him too much for trying to do what he feels is best for him in his career. And his draft stock's taken an obvious hit this season. And very well, he could have gotten even more exposed in these last two games. Um, so now I guess he can re- rehab and work out and do what he what he can to rebuild that reputation as an NFL caliber back. Um, and he, did, he gave us some good memories and good stats. I mean, over 1,100 yards last season, eight touchdowns with a terrible offensive line and no passing game. Uh, if you look back at it, I mean, he did seem to kind of take advantage of lesser opponents mostly. Um, and he'll likely be remembered for tapping his helmet to get out of game so often and quitting um, before this season was over. But his legacy should ultimately probably be more positive than it is. And I respect what he gave Razorback Nation during the worst era in school history. I still think he's a Razorback for life. Uh, I, I, I like him. I like the team. He did some good things. But, yeah, I mean, I think he quit. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to echo a couple things. One, thank you, Rakeem Boyd, for deciding to be an right. Arkansas Razorback. And, and your story's fantastic. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here mm-hmm. talking like I'm talking to him. But, I mean, if I could, this is what I would say is, Rakeem, thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you being a Razorback. I don't understand it, but it's your decision. It's not my body I'm putting on the line every Saturday and every week in practice. I'm not the Fair. one having to go through all the crap to avoid COVID and everything else. And so I don't I don't blame him for the decision. But I think it was I think in an in a year that's been really strange, in a year that people have kind of been able to do whatever they want. You know, I think it was Cole Kubelik the other day that, that said it right. You know, that th- this isn't opting out anymore at this phase of the season. This is something different. And, and, mm-hmm. and to me, you're quitting on your team. You've, you've, yeah. you've worked hard to get to this point, but you made a good point. You saw this guy last year. I think he looked at the situation last season and was like, okay, this is my opportunity to prove myself. I am the only good player on this team. And so I'm going to try my best to put this team on my back and carry the load and and be the man and maybe improve my draft stock. I think Sam Pittman came in and sold him on what Sam Pittman can do. And I think he he bought into that. And and I'm glad he did. I'm glad that Rakeem Boyd came back. But you're right. I think from day one, you saw a guy that did not run with the same passion and same intensity that he had last year in a season where he should have had a lot more opportunities. And, mm-hmm. and so I agree. The The lasting legacy, in from my personal opinion, when I look at Rakeem Boyd, is going to be the guy who quits, whether it be tapping on the helmet, needing to come out after in, in a big situation, or at the end of the season saying two games left, <laughs> I'm out, I'm done, I'm gone, yeah. I'm going to go prepare, quote-unquote, for the NFL draft. I mean, what do you – okay, so what are you gaining? I mean, to me, I would think right. that – you would gain a lot more by stepping out on that field for two weeks and showing that you're really willing to compete and finish a season. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, and I've, and I think it was on, I think uh, Chris Turnage on, uh, on drive time the other day was talking about this as well, how there's been a lot of, and this isn't a Rakeem Boyd situation, but there's, there's been a lot of, or just Rakeem Boyd, but there's been a lot of opt outs here the last couple, especially this past week. And a lot of the NFL guys don't like it. They, they see it as, as guys kind of bowing out of the fight early. Now, where I will say that I'm understanding to some point too, not just because it's his decision and everything else, but somebody make a really made a really good point the other day. The season should have been over Saturday. And, and so, if, especially for teams yeah. that didn't have any bowl, or even if you had bowl experts, most guys in, in that scenario aren't going to play the bowl game anyway. So for most guys, the season should have ended Saturday. You've been preparing like the season was going to end Saturday, and then the season got pushed. So these guys have been working for a long time, and maybe in Rakeem Boyd's mind, he was like, look, this is my date. I've then got to start working, worrying about the NFL so I can play to this point, but then in, in his head, I want to opt out at that point to stay on track for a normal workout session and normal preparation for the draft. So maybe that's a big piece of went through it, of what went through it for him, and so – I can't blame the guy, obviously. I don't, none of us are in his situation. People that are being making personal attacks on him and that kind of stuff is just wrong. It's not your decision. It has no bearing on your life. Um, but <laughs> let's ask this question. What bearing does it have on this Missouri game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's something I, w- I was going to point out next is, is the fact that him opting out honestly doesn't change my opinion much of this game. And if you had told me before the season – that he was going to opt out before the Missouri game. 
I would say that would probably cripple the team and they'd have no chance. But, I mean, I think that, that speaks volumes for his inability to be effective this year. I mean, he's been the, by far the second best back on the team. Traylon Smith's been the better running back. He's more elusive. He's more versatile. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's mostly injuries or if he really is just playing safe. Um, but this isn't the same running back that I thought that we had in Routine Boyd last season. He doesn't look as fast. He doesn't look as passionate. And, and, and I think that he's just kind of been exposed for, for what he is as a back as far as he's a straight-line runner. I mean, he doesn't make anyone miss. He doesn't break any tackles. His stamina and, and his durability is poor. So I don't think that it has that much bearing. I mean, I think that Arkansas is going to struggle a little bit with depth at running back. I mean, you got a guy in T.J. Hammonds coming over, um, full-time playing running back, and he's been a roller coaster of a Razorback. So I, but I believe in Smith, um, so I, I don't think, Ultimately, it'll affect the outcome at all. Yeah, I, I want to say it won't infe- affect the outcome, but when I go back and, le- and think of that LSU game and, and think about what Arkansas did from a game plan standpoint, it does worry me because when you look at some of the numbers, I mean, Missouri can can be gotten through the air. Uh, they're, they're a decent defense, and, and they can be gotten through the air a little bit. And I think if we're smart, if we if we do what Missouri is going to give us, that we will attempt to push the ball down the field more in this game like we should have done against LSU, in my opinion. And, and so, you know, I, I want to think that, that Boyd being out won't make a big deal. But at the same time, I'm a little concerned about the, the game plan that Kendall Browles may put out there on Saturday. Is he, you know, is there going to be this – this, this situation between Pittman and Browse where you know, where Pittman's really wanting to run downhill more. And unfortunately, as good as Traylon Smith is and as good as TJ Hammonds might be, Rakeem Boyd is, like you said, he's a better downhill runner, a, a better mm-hmm. you know, you know, up-the-middle type runner, and, and so a straight-line runner. And, and I think that could benefit Arkansas to some extent this week if that's – well, I, I should say I think that Arkansas could be in trouble if they try to – establish a downhill straight line running game like they've tried to do a few times with, with Boyd and like they seem to try to do last week with Traylon or like two <laughs> weeks ago against LSU. Uh, and so I don't know. I mean, I hope that, that it's not a big miss. I hope that, you know, depth wise that, that Hammonds comes over and gives us what he gave us against LSU just on more than two plays and, and, and that we have a little more success. So, you know, yeah, in my opinion, I think it may hurt Arkansas a little bit, but it all comes down to whatever Browse decides to do game plan wise. And, and I think the frustrating thing for me against LSU is he knew he wasn't going to have Boyd in that game too. So uh, we'll see what happens, but transitioning on, what does Arkansas have to do to win this game? Well, that's, that's a pretty perfect transition because my first my first key to a Razorback victory is offensive base. And, I mean, I, I'm concerned after that LSU game about the offensive game plan regardless of who's at running back. Um, I'm not sure what that was against the Tigers. Um, everything from the play calling to the urgency to the execution just felt lack, lacking to me. Um, I mean, you, you can't go over on third downs and, and beat really anybody except for a really inferior team. They've got to find a way to do better on early downs and get manageable third downs and then convert. I mean, you can't go over 10 on third down. You have to sustain drive. They've got to stop with the three and outs. You're killing your defense. You're killing your momentum. And, and like you said, I don't know. I said this. I, I joked it in, a, in, I think it was a text chat that I have with some guys that I work with, but it honestly feels like to me every third drive that – I may even told you guys this. Every third drive that Kendall Browse lets his kid call the play. Yeah. It's like he totally gets away from what's working. And, and this week you have to stick with what's worked. With, 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 or, excuse me, with what works. This is a tongue twister. Franks was killing LSU down the field. In the vertical passing game, every time they, they tested the secondary deep, it worked. But they only did it five times. He only had five – he was five for five on – 20-plus yard passes, completed all five for well over 100 yards and a touchdown. Why didn't they do that more often? I get that the protection wasn't great, but they could have tested the secondary a lot more. So whatever's working, whether that's the passing game, whether that's the short horizontal passing game or the running game, just whatever it is, stick to that. Um, I think another key is they're going to – and Pittman alluded to that today. Um, they're going to have to man up on, on both lines scrimmage. Missouri's really solid on the offensive line and the front seven on defense. Um, so Arkansas is going to have to be a lot more physical. On offense, they're, they're obviously going to have to do a better job of consistently protecting Felipe Franks. 
and opening holes up for Smith and, and, and Hammond. That, that feels still feels, feels weird to say, um, but CJ Hammond. Um, on defense, Arkansas pretty much got manhandled by LSU a lot of that game. I know they were missing a whole lot of guys on the defensive line. They should be getting a lot of those guys back. Um, but LSU had a game plan to run the ball and control the clock, and they were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted. Um, so getting those guys back should help, but that group's been pretty inconsistent at best this year. Arkansas is going to need to show a lot more physicality. Um, and then they just need – I think ultimately they just have to find that joy again. To me, I don't know if this is just me personally. You might disagree. But it kind of feels like the Razorbacks have hit a little bit of a rut or a lull in this season. I know early on we were kind of shocked at how, how much progress they had made. Um, and, and all of that surprise and excitement has – not all of it. Some of it has washed away a little bit. And we've hit some adversity. They've had some COVID issues. they got a game postponed. It just kind of feels like we're, we're a little bit stagnant. So I think they need to get back that passion and enthusiasm they had in those wins over Mississippi State and Ole Miss and fly around and have fun. I mean, football is supposed to be fun. They need to play for the name on the front and back of their jersey, play for Sam Pittman, play for Barry Odom and Sam Carter against their former teams, play for the seniors who are about to go out. I mean, some of them may come back and play for those guys and just go out and play Razorback football and have a good time. I mean, I think Arkansas is the better team, and if they go go out and fly around and have fun, I think they'll win the game. Yeah, and and I tend to agree with you that this team has maybe maybe hit a bit of a wall, a little bit stagnant as they've gotten to the late part of the season. And if you watch though, and you, you see some of these other teams throughout the season, when they've got hit by that COVID bug, that's kind of seemed to happen. It's like yeah. you, you lose a lot of practice time, you lose a lot of reps, you lose a lot of continuity. I mean, you look at Arkansas last week. I mean, they were in, in as or two weeks ago against LSU, they were in essence a player away from missing the game. And then even you look at when the, the game getting canceled last week you know you think about it I mean Catalan being out for the first half was that the major number that turned the tide I mean they were that close that week that week as well to the point Mm -hmm. where we ended up having the game postponed and those things just do so much to you in the locker room especially when you're a team that has spent you've, you've done everything right all season you've tried all year as best you can to avoid this you've actually done it you were one of the few teams on the year that hadn't had a team a game postponed and then bam you get hit with it in, in a scenario and i just think that takes a lot out of them um you know I th- and, and obviously i think it's a totally different game if arkansas is full strength against lsu if you have rakeem boyd and you no have doubt. your defensive line i think it's a different story i think arkansas handles that game the, the week before that you got manhandled by a florida team that you knew you were going to get beat by um, <laughs> yeah but yeah. still i mean that takes a lot out of you when you've really been in every single game all year long you've battled you've scratched you've clawed it's easy to let go of the rope once you've you know kind of once the team's kind of taken it to you like that and then you have COVID the very next week so um, yeah part of me I know a lot of people are, are frustrated that we're you know we're not playing Alabama this week that they switched all that up because of the Catalan situation and we'd rather see Catalan get a full game against Missouri and and, mm-hmm. and all that I think this is a perfect setup. Like, let's just go get this victory. Let's feel better about ourselves. And and, and so, you know, I think Arkansas will show up for this game. And, and I think internally this is probably a team thing. And look, let these guys talk. We're going to go out and do business. And, and then you got a guy, like you said, you've got, you know, Carter and you've got uh, you got Odom in there who's who's telling them everything that they know that, 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 that Missouri is going to do. And, and so I think this team's going to play extremely confident this weekend. Um, a few of the things to me that are major keys in what Arkansas has to do you hit the nail on the head with the offensive side just consistency let's figure out a consistent game plan and stick with it but I also think defensively this is a this is a weird Missouri team when you dig into the statistics like yeah no one sticks out to you like there's nobody (laughs) that you just go okay we got to stop that guy I mean I guess Larry Roundtree's really the guy that you really got to shut down from Missouri and he's not even that you know great and, and and impressive I mean let me get back over. I switched screens that I was on. Let me get that schedule pulled back up for L- or for Yeah, just to, just to cut in really quick while you yeah. look at that. Uh, like you're saying with the run game, uh, I mean, I, going into this without looking at any stats, I mean, I honestly thought Roundtree was, was a stud and somebody to really worry about. But if you look at the stats, I mean, I think that they, they haven't been running the ball even as well as Arkansas has, which no. shocked me. Um, so I'll let you get into that. But that really did surprise me when I was looking at the stats because Arkansas struggled to run the ball a lot, a lot of weeks this year, and Missouri's been even worse somehow. Yeah, and when you look at the numbers, I mean, Roundtree's had three 100-yard games, but they came against LSU at 119 in a game that was a 45-41 game early in the season. 
I mean, semi-impressive in the fact that he put up 126 against a pretty good Kentucky defense, and then he put up 160 last week against Vanderbilt. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that could run for 160 against Vanderbilt. <laughs> and so, and especially in that game when the rope was cut in half and torn to pieces and gone for, for Vandy. So, I mean, when the when the height of your of your football game against Vandy was Sarah Fuller kicking the ball 30 yards, I mean, right. that's, that's a tough day for Vanderbilt. Let's just be real. Um, it's so tough, in fact, that – Apparently, two nights later, their play-by-play guy decided to get completely plastered drunk and do the coach's <laughs> show. So, I mean, hey, let me let me just say, kudos to him for getting the help he needs. I hope he I hope it works yeah, out. Yeah, I hope he has the sure. opportunity to come back. That's that's nothing to play with. Well, again, a, a rabbit hole here, but we don't know what people are going through right now. COVID's doing some crazy things to people's mental states, and so you just never know. So, uh, yeah, pr- prayers yeah. for him and his family. But I mean, it's crazy when you look at that situation. So, and then you look at Basilic. The guy, like, uh, number one, who has a who? What kind of name is that? Like Basil, like who, what is that? It's a very Missouri name. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but then you look at his stats. The guy's completing seventy percent. Oh, what is it? Let's see, seventy uh, percent of his passes on the year. Uh, he's got a one forty-one and a half passer rating. He's thrown for sixteen hundred twenty-two yards, but he's only thrown for five touchdowns. Uh, and I think he's got three interceptions of them or two interceptions on the season. So at the end of the day. He's not been impressive to me at all. Um, Yeah. And so I think Arkansas can have a lot of success defensively against this Missouri offense. I I think, you know, the number one key is, I mean, make Bazelik beat you because he doesn't have any receivers that scare you. He doesn't have any – it's not like he's got some, you know, all-world guy that they're going to throw out there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, when you look at it, I mean, they're middle of the pack rushing the passer. They've only gotten two interceptions. They've only four, six. They only got six takeaways on the whole year. They're the they're they've got the, the 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 lowest number of tackles of any team in the SEC. But to me, this is the big key. So obviously, I think Arkansas will do well. I think Odom's going to be going to be a huge piece on defense on defense. Mm-hmm. But one spot where Arkansas has obviously struggled all year long is on third down. We we cannot stay on the field offensively, and we've had some struggles with it defensively as well. But I looked at the numbers. Missouri's only allowing their opponents to convert on third down 36% of the time. That's first in the SEC. Conversely, Arkansas is converting 36% of the time, which is 11th (laughs) in the SEC. I mean, statistics this late in the season mean a lot. Now, granted, Missouri's played one less game than Arkansas, but – to me, that's that's where this game is going to be won and lost. Arkansas has to stay on the field. You look at the numbers, I think it's a 50, I think what, over-unders in the 50s, expectations of this game being fairly low scoring, which means that if this is a lower scoring game and, and Missouri controls third down, they're going to win the game and they're going to have a crap ton of time of possession and they're going to hurt Arkansas badly. Yep. Uh, Arkansas has got to keep some drives going and really do some things against Missouri this week. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the key, and it was the key against LSU, and it's the biggest reason why they, I think they lost that game. Is you yep. got to find a way to, to, to keep the ball on offense and to get off the field on defense, and that's been a, a recurring theme at, at most weeks this season. And it's, it's like you said, those stats don't exactly line up in Arkansas's favor, so it may not be the week to, to do that. And if they don't, they'll lose. But I, I, I have confidence that they can figure something out. I just, I know we'll get into our predictions here in a second, but it's just hard for me to not pick Arkansas in a game like this. I just, maybe it's, maybe it's blind oblivion for me. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm oblivious to Missouri, but I just don't have a lot of respect and they don't scare me. So I just feel like if Arkansas can figure it out and play like they're capable, they should, they should win this game. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's jump over. I'm going to give my key to who my who the key player for Arkansas is uh, is in this game, and, and to me that key is going to be Felipe Franks. And I and I say that, and, and we'll see if he's my player of the game come next week. But mm-hmm. the reason I say that is because in reality, and let's just assume that, uh, that this happens in what we all think is going to what's going to happen, and that Felipe Franks is going to opt to go onto the NFL next year. If that happens. Realistically, this is Felipe's last real opportunity to shine against yeah. a defense that he can beat. It's a defense that doesn't have a lot of success on the, in, in the back of that defense. They don't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. They just they're just a solid defense that gets things done, but they're not going to really they're not going to overly impress you with a lot of exotic crazy things. And, and, and because of that, I think Franks has an opportunity to have a huge game this week. And, and to me, he's the key. 
do what you've done all year. Protect the football. You know, move the ball up and down the field. Make good checks. Make good decisions. Get through your reads and find your studs on the outside. And and, and again, obviously, a lot of that is what you know how Kendall Browse calls this game. But to me, the key for Arkansas in this game is going to be Felipe Franks. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of got it down the, the big three on offense, but specifically with Franks. Um, just piggybacking on what you said, just let him do what he's comfortable doing. I think in a lot of the games, they've done a little bit too much of the QB run game. Um, I like some of, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I like some of that to keep him honest. And I love it with Malik Hornsby, but I don't love it so much with Franks. I think, I think they really need to work on keeping his jersey clean and his body healthy and let him sit in the pocket or, or roll out and let him swing it. I mean, that's what he was born to do. That's what he's great at. Uh, so just let him be comfortable and let him play his game. Um, but on top of that, I mean, they've got to find a way to get the ball to Traylon Burks. Missouri doesn't have anybody like him. Um, and he's averaging fewer than, than six touches a game the past few contests. And that that's just really not acceptable. Um, he's an all-SEC wideout for a reason. So uh, whether it's the passing game, the screen game, wildcat, jet sweeps, et cetera, just give him the ball and, and give it to him again. And just keep, keep doing that until they show you they can stop it. And they need to get Traylon Smith going. He's now the RB1, and he's your best back all year so far um, by a pretty significant margin. So he can help you on the ground and in the passing game. you got to let him to be versatile. And even T.J. Hammonds, I mean, he, he had a couple of plays against LSU. He has the potential to be a big play threat if he can get out of his own way. So if Arkansas can, can do what they're good at, stay, stay consistent and stay comfortable and feed the studs, uh, I think they have a good shot at, at getting a victory. All right, so on to our official predictions. I'll go first this week because I don't remember who went last time, but <laughs> I am taking the Hogs all day in this one. I don't care what the spread says. I don't care that the FPI says it's a 60-40 to 40 chance for Missouri <laughs> to win. I think they're all idiots. I think Drunkowitz is a moron that I can't stand looking at, and I hope that somehow we don't have to stare at him the whole game. And I think Arkansas handles business in this one 41-20. to 20. Oh, so you say it's a pretty significant victory. Yeah, I, maybe I'm just being overly excited because I don't have anything else to do this weekend, and I'm just really happy <laughs> about the game, and I hate Missouri that much. And, and, and yeah, but, yeah, I'm taking Arkansas running away with this thing. Yeah, I, I don't think that this game should be, but it kind of somewhat feels like a little bit of a toss-up to me. Um, I really believe that Arkansas has the better team and it's the better program and should win. Um, but I know that Missouri is every bit as capable of winning the game. Um, they have, like I said, they have strong line play on both sides. They have a pretty solid defense and a tough running back. Um, but both teams have a lot to play for. I mean, they want to continue. Missouri wants to continue proving the point to Arkansas and its fans that they're a better team and a better program, even though they're delusional. Um, this feels like a, like a moment for Arkansas to really put a stamp on this season. I mean, they're not likely going to beat Alabama if they even get to play that game, but that's, that's another story. And I know a lot of fans have, have mentally moved on to basketball season. Um, but so this is your last real chance to make a statement and, and, and put a positive spin and, and ending to this first year under Pittman. There's tons of connections to Missouri and you'd much rather finish four and six than three and seven. I just think that looks much better. And despite not having Catalan for the first half, I think Arkansas will be well-rested. I think they'll be healed up from those injuries and from COVID. They have the better quarterback. They have the better wideout. And they have a much better coaching staff, in my opinion. And it feels like Missouri's getting a little bit cocky to me. I know that you've mentioned people calling for them to be ranked. And I'm just not buying them. I mean, they got blown out by Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida. And their wins have come against a bad LSU team by four, where that game was moved to Missouri. That's the game Arkansas should have won against LSU. They beat Kentucky by 10. Kentucky has no offense. Arkansas would beat Kentucky, in my opinion. They beat South Carolina by 7, and who had just fired their coach. And then they beat Vanderbilt, who fired their coach right after that. And they're the worst team in the SEC. So I, I just not, I'm not buying them as, a, as a, a, a top contending team. I think Arkansas puts it all together this week and puts together a complete performance um, on the road. I think they win 31-20. to 20. All right. 
Hey, that's, hey, we're close. Ten point difference. I know. So pretty similar. That's crazy. I don't know how that keeps happening. I so know. I haven't done – I have not, and, I, and I've failed here. I have not updated. But I think you've got a one or two game advantage on me right now. I think that's about right. Something so like that, I, yeah. I will compile all the numbers before we get into uh, the final game of the season next week after this weekend hits. But let's go through the SEC schedule real quick. Knock these out. Got a couple minutes left here tonight. And um, I'm just going to – I'm going to start let's, – let's start down here. Uh, good. I mean, a, a large slate of games. Hopefully it's better. Last week, six games right. decided by an average of like 24, 26 points, something like that. Just stupid. So maybe we'll have some better games this week. Um, there's some interesting matchups this week, and we'll start right here. South Carolina at Kentucky. We already know South Carolina's looking for a coach. I assume Mark Stoops probably hangs on for another year at Kentucky, but who knows? Maybe this is a battle. <laughs> South Carolina wins it, and it's another fire the coach game. Who knows? But Kentucky favored by 11 and a half. Who do you like? I'm interested to, to hear your pick on this one because I think we could possibly differ. I don't know. It's a game where it could go either way. I mean, first off, do we have to pick this game? I'm definitely not going to watch it. Um, but like you said, I mean, South Carolina is a school with, without a sitting head coach. And Kentucky fans have for sure checked out a football season. Um, so I, I don't really have any idea what to expect with this game. Kentucky has zero offense, and the Gamecocks currently are pretty much offensive. So – Despite that, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some fun and I'm gonna predict an upset. I think the Gamecocks have a have a solid game and they pull off a close upset on the road. Okay, sure, yeah, if you say so. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say that I, I like I like Kentucky to win this game and. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not going to watch this game either. <laughs> but no, I've, South Carolina is just atrocious, and, and Kentucky's really not a lot better. I don't know that they're 11 and a half points better. Um, but I like Kentucky in this game. I, I don't know what I don't know how they how, how how badly they win this game, but I like Kentucky this game. So maybe I can get maybe I can get a point back in that one. Yeah, and, I tried to spice it up for you. Uh huh. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to an easy one, I think. Florida at Tennessee. Florida's a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, I don't think anything's going to be different in Florida. I think Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Tony, all those guys are going to continue doing their thing. And and Tennessee's going to continue to wonder what in the world they're going to do in the future as two <laughs> polar opposites of finishings of the season, endings of seasons compared to what the, how they ended last year. Um, and so, but yeah, I don't even think this is a contest. Florida wins this one going away. Yeah, I mean, this this was one time a, a marquee matchup in the SEC East, basically has zero luster this year. Um, the Gators are pretty much looking forward to an SEC title game with Bama, and the Vols are still trying to figure out how to score a point in the second half. So I think, like you said, Kyle Trask is on a mission to win the Heisman with the help of Kyle Pitts. I think this game's only going to boost that campaign. Um, I think the Gators win by 20-plus. All right, let's jump into this one because now we got a bunch of games that I don't know how close they'll be, but let's just get this one out of the way. Georgia and the Fighting Sarah Fullers, who you got? <laughs> I literally put the Fighting Sarah Fullers no travel way. to the hedges. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so they do. They travel to the hedges. They take on a rejuvenated Bulldog offense under JT Daniels. I really don't know why Daniels didn't start earlier in the season. Maybe his injury was that significant. Um, but maybe he could have potentially salvaged their spot atop the, the SEC East. I don't know. Um, Vanderbilt no longer has a coach. Um, but I did hear that Sarah Fuller gave a pretty rousing halftime speech oh, last man. game. So maybe she can fill in as the interim. <laughs> There's just really no hope in Nashville at the moment. Um, I don't see this game being close. Maybe they, maybe they find a way to cover. Um, but I, I think the Bulldogs win very easily. I am going to shock the world, and Vanderbilt's going to win on a last-second Sarah Fuller. Fil- no, I'm just kidding. I can't even get it out. It's not going to happen. Georgia rolls. This game won't even be close. <laughs> it's, I, I, no, Georgia rolls. All right. <laughs> our, our, our second favorite uh, team in the SEC, Texas A&M travels to Auburn. A&M, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, A&M, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And um, – I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about this game. I, I mean, I know. I think I know who we're both going to pick because it's just been how we've gone all season. Um, yeah. But I'll let you have this one first. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, the Aggies—they only have one loss, and their fans are probably scheming and dreaming up playoff scenarios. I don't think they're going to get that chance. But um, I think Mon kind of had a stinker last game. I think he kind of got that out of his system. Um, and obviously Auburn's coming off the heels of a destruction in the Iron Bowl, which we all pretty much expected. 
I don't think Auburn's a very good team. And in a normal year, this season probably would get Gus and Chad fired. May not happen because of COVID, but um, I think the Aggies are obviously the better team and we'll prove that on Saturday. Um, I think they win and they cover pretty comfortably. A&M wins, and for bonus points, Chad Morris, Gus Malzahn both get fired before they get off the field. I don't know why. I love it. Why not? I love it. So, But, yes, A&M handles business, and I think it's by a lot more than six and a half. Yeah, me too. All right. What should be, what normally is, the marquee matchup in the SEC every single year, and, and for years and years it decided the West. Instead, this year, Alabama LSU is a 30-point spread. <laughs> I, I mean, again, <laughs> I, I, I want to talk good about this game and like it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, if you like to watch Alabama beat people 50 to 12, then you'll like this game. But Alabama wins and it's not even going to be close. Yeah, this is typically the game that most people wait for all year long. I mean, number one, Alabama against number 73 LSU. I don't know. Yeah, right. I'm having trouble finding them on the list this year. Um, but it's, it's another game, a rivalry game that's usually nationally, nationally relevant, but is not this year, in my opinion. I mean, the Tigers are, I saw some stat that they're the biggest underdog as a defending national champion in, I don't know how many years it was, like 273 years now. Something crazy. Uh, I, think the, I think the tide rolls, like you said, I don't think it's particularly close. LSU's not a great team. Um, Arkansas should have beat them. Um, Alabama is a great team and Bama will beat them by at least four scores, I think. <laughs> Bonus points, Mac Jones passes the record that oh Goober over at Mississippi State set in week one against LSU. <laughs> that would be full circle right there. Right. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, though. I mean, think about how easy it is for Alabama to take the top off a of defense and then think about how – I mean – Right. LSU doesn't even have a top on their defense. It's like it's already off. Just throw it down there as many times as you want. Arkansas proved that five times. So, I mean, yeah, this game could be. If I think if Alabama wanted to score a hundred and and let Mac Jones throw for eight, he could do it all day if they wanted yeah. to against this LSU defense. But it is in Baton Rouge. That may make a hair of a difference, even though there's only gonna be like twelve people in the stands. So, I don't know. It'll still it'll still smell like corn dogs. Oh, somehow, somehow. I'm hungry now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I think that's going to do it. Uh, reminder, go see our friends at American Pie Pizza. They're not a sponsor of the podcast, but we like them because they sponsor our Maumel Sports Network and our basketball stream. So uh, make sure you go see other folks over on Maumel Boulevard in Maumel at American Pie Pizza. And uh, make sure you tell them that uh, the guys at Natural State Sports sent you. And uh, as well as joining, join us next Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. I'm actually really excited. So I've been doing a lot of research on this Maumelle basketball team, obviously, since I have to actually talk about them. And they're kind of good. They got like a 6'4 dude that hit seven threes in their first game of the year. I don't believe they've lost a game this year. And even more fun is game one at home is going to be against Joseph Pinion, Arkansas commit, and the Moralton oh. Devil Dogs. So I'm looking forward to that one, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's big time. Anytime you get to see a, a prospect like that, um, in Kenyon, um, uh, a Razorback lock, I would say. Um, I know he's committed. Did he already sign? I don't remember. No, he hasn't signed, I, guess I don't believe, things, but he's just I get those things mixed up. Um, but that's, that's, that's a good opportunity, and like you said, a good Maumelle basketball team, an awesome opportunity for you guys to, to watch some good basketball and call it as well. Hey, I'm, it's, it's pretty cool when you looked at the schedule. Of course, we have that one right off the top. We're going to get Sylvan Hills, and, and you, if, you, if you know basketball in the state of Arkansas, Nick Smith at, at Sylvan mm-hmm. Hills is a highly rated top 40 guy in the, in the country, so a uh, big-time player there. We're going to get a Jacksonville team that I did some – some more research on as well. And if you go to Arkansas, I think it's Arkansas, Arkansas basketball rankings.com or something like that. It's a fairly, fairly reputable site. They have a fab 40 and Jacksonville has four guys on, on their fab 40. And that fab 40 is all, you know, it's sophomore through senior. So anybody that graduates between now and I guess 2023 is included in that fab 40 and Jacksonville has four guys on it. So, not too, not too shabby for it. So we're going to have some good basketball. So make sure you catch those games. We'll try to throw a few of them on our fa- on our Natural State Sports Facebook page, but you can also catch it on our YouTube page as well as, as, well as the Maumelle Sports Network on Facebook. So looking forward to that. Uh, other than that, man, you got anything else for us tonight, Tyler? Not really. I mean, I think both of us will be on the road this weekend. So safe travels for you, safe travels for anybody. Um, getting reared up for the Christmas season. Um, big opportunity for Arkansas on the road this weekend. Um, I think it's a good chance for them to get a victory, probably their last victory of the year. Could be their last game of the year. We'll see. Um, and 
they just got to get this monkey off their back. You got to break the streak and be Van. I mean, Vanderbilt. I wish we were playing Vanderbilt. I got, I got, I got Vandy on my mind. Got to beat Missouri. That's what I think of Missouri. Yeah, they're Vanderbilt to me. You just, you just proved that you don't think of it as a rivalry. You call Missouri Vanderbilt. It's fantastic. You got to win. Just win. Just yeah, win the game. It doesn't matter. Just win. All right, man. Well, appreciate it. It's been a good one. Glad to have you back this week. And uh, until next week, woo pig.